Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggist for the People. Just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Today, the people is Carol, and I think she has a question or something she wants to talk about today. Hi, Donald. Thanks for having me on. Um, I do have a question. So when I go to look for over-the-counter pain relief in the drugstore or the grocery store, it is completely confusing to me. Tylenol, ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin, what does, I, I don't understand it all. Okay. I think that's kind of common. Yes. Uh, and the thing is that those over-the-counter uh, pain medications, the acetaminophen, and then the ibuprofen or the uh, naproxen or aspirin, they are packaged in all kinds of pretty boxes and bottles and Tablets stuff. Tablets and capsules, like, okay. I, I think that just <laughs> Tylenol alone, acetaminophen, which mm -hmm. is Tylenol's trade name, is the trade name. Like, I had read somewhere where, like, over 600 products have acetaminophen in them. Now, oh. I think that might be around the world. Oh, wow. But still, you know, it's everything from a cold prep to, to sleep medications to pain to however they want to package it. Sure. So makes sense. It Cough does get, medicines. I yeah, think. it does get confusing. So you're you're. Let's just break it down into acetaminophen mm -hmm. uh, versus the non-steroidals. Does that make? Have okay. you heard of that? Are non? What is non-steroidals? Okay, well, exactly? steroids are obviously you know they're heavy hitting mm -hmm. prescription products for inflammation and that kind of thing. Right. But we don't use them indiscriminately, so right. um, they're not over the counter. So. What this is saying is non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs, so non-steroidals. Okay. It's just it's, it's telling us what they is, okay, which is anti-inflammatory, okay, and it's telling us what they ain't, right, which is not steroids. So wait, uh, maybe clarify inflammation real quick. Okay, that's just where you've got some swelling. Um, if if you sprain your ankle, mm -hmm. there's probably going to be some inflammation there, um, muscle pain. Bee sting? Bee sting, yeah, potentially. Um, that's a little different. Uh, but yeah, you could have it with that. It's where redness and stuff can occur and, um, and swelling, that kind of thing. So that, that, that's, a, that's an injury too. Okay. Um, so what we can do to try and clarify this is just think of these two designations, I guess. The acetaminophen, mm -hmm. and it, it's... It's a star. It's its own group. Okay. <laughs> There's no other. And then the non-steroidals, which is ibuprofen, aspirin, and um, naproxen. Okay. Those are the three. The naproxen is, a, is just a longer-acting uh, form of, like, ibuprofen. So you would take it one tablet maybe twice a day instead of, like, with ibuprofen. You might take it every four to six hours as you needed it. Okay, that's helpful. Yeah. So the I, the acetaminophen, the difference is that it doesn't have that anti-inflammatory property. Okay. It works centrally, that is, in the brain. Mm -hmm. And so it's good for a fever. Mm -hmm. And it's good for pain reduction. Okay. But the inflammation is not something it does because it's not working out there where the inflammation might be. Whereas the non-steroidals, those three drugs, the aspirin, the ibuprofen, and the naproxen, they do provide that for you. So, okay. Yes. Which one do you choose? Um, the a lot of times it comes down to the side effects of these things and how 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 equipped are you to 
um, get rid of them once they get into you. So acetaminophen is really safe medication. The, the thing that you would be concerned about there is if you had liver problems, because that's how it's uh, removed from the body. It's metabolized. And if you get too much, you know, when I was practicing, it's four grams a day was like, stop, you can't go any further. You're going to start to cause some uh, hepatic, some liver damage. Okay. Um, I think, you know, there was talk of reducing that to three grams. I think you need to start be cautious, being cautious at that point. Um, if you took two extra strength Tylenol three times a day, that's three grams. Okay. So that would be a concern. So when you're deciding, um, it's it's a safe medication, but that would be a factor. And and then with the non-steroidals, with those, those three meds, the ibuprofen, which is the Advil and the Motrin, and then the um, the proxin, which is a leave, mm-hmm. uh, and then just plain old aspirin, which is St. Joseph's. <laughs> Doing the mouth, son. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that you um, – so anyway, the, the acetaminophen is a safer – it's a very safe medication, but you have to look at that as the, the – maybe what would help you decide, is this something I want to do or not do? Mm-hmm. Um, the – the non-steroidals have other have their own issues. Um, you have to be careful about if you have GI issues, stomach upset, and that kind of thing, because they can cause cause that. And um, in the kidneys, you have to be careful that you have good kidney function, renal function, because if you don't, they can be a problem there, and they could increase the blood pressure and that kind of thing. So, just knowing what your condition is, uh, what your health status is, is really going to help you to make these decisions. Uh, if, if a person has some cardiovascular issues, you know, heart, heart problems and this kind of thing, uh, there should be a conversation with the physician about what do I use for over-the-counter pain relief, uh, Tylenol or an NSAID. Uh, some of the, the NSAIDs have been associated with some cardiovascular risks. So um, that's an important conversation to have. I think that the proxen has less risk, but again, uh, that's not a recommendation to use that one. It is uh, a recommendation to talk to your doc if you have those issues. Is it okay to use an NSAID? So it's um, just keep all that in mind. What kind of shape you're in, you know, can help you decide which one to use based on uh, how your body's going to handle it. I have a follow up question about that. In young children. Are there is one preferred over another for any particular reason? Well, you don't use non-steroidals in in babies and little ones usually, and the Tylenol is the way to go. Okay, the, the, I, I'm sorry, it's it's acetaminophen. Tylenol is just easier to say. Yeah, it is. Acetaminophen is a longer word. Plus, when you go to the store and you're searching, what you see are the trade names, right? Not right. necessarily the. I know this, but it's been generic for so long that. Well, it's still confuses people England. like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that the red one or the yeah. turquoise one? <laughs> <laughs> right. And there they go. That's what it's all about. Um, did you have any other questions about those? Why it for young children? Um, you, you said one is safer. It's it's the it's available in a, in a in a liquid, and it does not have those issues with the with the GI issues mm-hmm. and. Um, Okay. And the the rise syndrome you know, with the aspirin, you don't use that in young people. Okay. Um, so just steer clear of those. Okay. And um, yeah, that helps. Okay. So just one more time, if you have a fever, 
Which way do you go? What would you do? I still don't know. <laughs> I mean, you did a great job, but no, I, I need like a little code for my purse or something. <laughs> no, no, okay, well, that's cool. I just was curious. Either one would be mm-hmm. good for fever, but if that's what you've got and mm-hmm. your your liver's fine, frankly, moderation is, mm-hmm. is the, a key here too, as is so often the case. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, the Tylenol is good for for fever. Okay, and, if, and- you, if you had aches and pains and um, you sprain can, your ankle. You <laughs> sprain your ankle. Then you would want a non uh, steroidal and NSAID, and you could use the ibuprofen. If you were feeling, I've seen commercials for the Aleve where it's like, I saved a lot of time because instead of spending all my time dosing this <laughs> ibuprofen, I took one in the morning of the Aleve and one at night. So we are not wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> the four minutes it takes to pop it in so your mouth. Anyway, Find you, it in your purse and yeah, pop it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're doing physical work. So anyway, if you just had a fever, I would think that acetaminophen would be a good way to go. Okay. What else? Okay, so I think we're going to wrap it up here, Carol. How's that sound to you? Okay, then. Okay, then. <laughs> okay, so these these two, the acetaminophen, the Tylenol, has been around since like 1951. That's that's longer than me. A yep. lot longer. <laughs> and then Motrin came out in the 60s, uh, which was ibuprofen. They were looking for a some something a little different than aspirin, a little safer. Um, so this... Is what we have. These products have been around forever, and it's kind of funny. This I just throw this in here as we wrap, but like acetaminophen, the FDA still um, doesn't in their description of this. They're not quite sure of how it works, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> but I think it's a, a cyclooxygenase two inhibitor. Oh, that helps me tremendously. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so if you want help figuring it out in the <laughs> drugstore or the grocery store, just remember that the Acetaminophen is a COX-2 inhibitor. That's a cyclooxygenase uh, 2 inhibitor. Okay, you can store in- <laughs> you can store that note in your pocket protector. Yeah, that's a- just asking for a friend. What is best for a hangover? The best thing for treating a hangover are really not drugs. Like one of the things is to drink plenty of fluids, and you'll see like. There are some ads for like bourbons and whiskeys I've seen that drink responsibly and they even recommend have a glass of water. One of the things that alcohol can do is it inhibits a um, hormone in your body called vasopressin. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. Well, it's called also antidiuretic hormone. So that means this is a hormone that keeps you from peeing too much and you stop it. So guess what you do? Ah. It's diuresis. You, you, you have to, you know urinate more right that can cause dehydration which in the morning can be cotton mouth and <laughs> just saying that I mean, my friend but it can be that, that it can be that feeling of being hung over so mm-hmm. hydrating yourself um i've seen where people say eat you know carbs take some carbs on a greasy cheeseburger oh god <laughs> go might as well go to white castle and get this thing over with del um, taco yeah in California. why not man and um the You've got me thinking about that. So, also, uh, like, there's if you have a cup of coffee or tea or whatever, you know, some a little bit of caffeine to sort of get that groggy feeling. But like, what I stated initially was where you want to try and you're trying to minimize this the bad effects that you might get with 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 either Tylenol, with the acetaminophen, and the alcohol, or the ibuprofen, the non-steroidal. The non-steroidal can be hard on your stomach and can cause. Ulcers, GI 
uh, disturbances, bleeds in some cases. So if you've got an upset stomach from the alcohol, putting this in combination with might make, make those things worse, right? Mm -hmm. And the Tylenol should give you some relief as far as pain levels and um, if you had a fever. And it's probably not going to upset your stomach. So provided you are all good to take that. And again, these are safe medications, but just, that whole liver thing would be a, a, your concern. But that would probably be your go-to. So actually the glass of water, cup of coffee, cheeseburger is not a bad solution. <laughs> well, not too not too bad, really. Kind of um, if you can take the cheeseburger, but I, I, I have read where carb, you know, loading up on carbs, but I don't know. If that's exactly right. But anyway, you know, I've, I've heard this question before. Which one do I take for a hangover? We'll try these other things. And then I think with people, since they don't drink beer and they like will drink some bourbon or gin or something, they, they don't realize that the actual effect of the alcohol as a drug itself is causing diuresis, which can cause dehydration, which can make you feel bad in the morning. Also, the darker uh, hard liquors like the whiskeys and stuff are... Uh, prone because you have other stuff in them besides just the alcohol that can cause some hangover stuff. So the queen always drank gin. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she knew clean. something. <laughs> She's clean queen. Yikes. Uh -huh. um, well, great. You know, um, if we have time, I have another question for you. Yeah. What you got? Um, generic versus trade name stuff. Uh, you know, when you're particularly when you're looking at over the counter stuff, sometimes it's two or three dollars different. And I, I want, you know, I'm a budget girl. I want to reach for the cheaper version. Is <laughs> it the same stuff? Is it safe? What? Right. Um, the trade name drugs um, are something that a company will will discover a medication, a drug, and develop it and apply for a new drug application and that thing is good for 20 years but it's 20 years from when they apply and then they have to do all this testing which can take eight to ten years something like that so they may have it on the bark market for 10 years and they, they want to make their money here sure for to yeah this is the way we work um so after that generally the the uh, other manufacturers can apply for it's it's not a new drug application. It's an abbreviated process where they don't have to supply all the data. It's already there. They have to be able to demonstrate good manufacturing processes and things like that, that uh, like that that will assure that they're you're getting the same molecular entity, which is a molecule is when you put a few atoms together. Okay, so that okay. these things come together and form a particular molecular entity. I hate to use it. And then anyway, that that has to be the same. It has to be available, bioavailable, so it dissolves and is readily available. Um, so yes, they are, it, they're fine. And like if, if you essentially the same ingredients? It is, it is. In the same proportions? Yes, it is the same. And sometimes the, um, the things that they'll put in a tablet or a capsule, but let's just refer to a tablet here, so that you have enough actual matter there, stuff to compress into a tablet. Mm -hmm. They use what are called excipients, and so this can be lactose and other not what they're called inert things. They don't have a pharmacologic activity, but those can be a little different. So sometimes if someone, if one generic maybe has some lactose that another doesn't, that would be an issue for someone who's... I see. So, yeah. you, you know, you can, your pharmacist can look that up for you and um, that kind of thing, but they are the same. Uh, are as there far as, 
are there some that are um, for some conditions that it's very sensitive that that the difference is is enough that you shouldn't maybe use a generic? Yeah, and it's always you know if a if a person just isn't comfortable. I think that's a that's a pretty good reason not sure. to. And if they're comfortable paying that difference in price, then that's that's a choice that they can make. And but that's a really good question because there's there's some drugs that are it's that have what's referred to as a narrow therapeutic index, which just means that there has to be a really precise amount of that drug in the blood to have its effect. And too little, you don't get the effect. Too much, you start seeing some side effects from it. So like there's some anticonvulsants, phenytoin which is dilantin. Um, there's some anticoagulants that might fall into that category. Uh, digoxin, which is linoxin, um, that you really want a reliable uh, level of that drug in the blood. And if you go to a generic, what happens? May, it may change. Now, if you start on a generic, then you can adjust to that. But that's, that's a really good question because there are some that people are not comfortable with and it makes some sense. That makes sense to me. And those are pretty sensitive <clears throat> issues like an anticoagulant. You really, and heart medications, you really don't want to monkey around with that. You don't. Much. You don't. I, so I, I don't blame people at all for, for wanting to stick with that. But they are the same same thing, basically. Um, I, I think that's pretty good. I did want to mention there's something about trade name drugs. And when companies come out with drugs, we're a capitalist society here. And the reason that they're doing this is... Um, we can get like soft sell sort of commercials from the manufacturers, the pharmaceutical that uh, we're there for you or whatever. Right. But they're they're really about making money. Sure. So there are some rare conditions that are out there, and since it's not economically something that drives a company to provide a solution, mm -hmm. there are what are known as orphan drugs, and this is where the government actually helps to stimulate some research and development of drugs that will treat these conditions. Uh, oh, I see. So it's a, um, a rarer condition, so the market is not necessarily right there for it. Right, so right. And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And there's, some, there's even some like right or wrong, it's the way it is. So I just thought I'd bring that up because trade names, um, people, it's frustrating, especially the more complicated drugs that are coming out, these monoclonal antibodies and things that have to be grown and um, they're incredibly expensive. They have these potentially significant, you know, effects for people to, to improve their life, to treat their condition. And, and they, they just cost so much. But it's because of this research and development and mm -hmm. the time they spend on it. And they want to make some money. Yeah, I was always under the impression for a long time, not always, but that um, college campuses were doing a ton of the research and not drug company labs. Is that still true? There is absolutely research going on at universities all over the world, really. Um, but the drug companies are the ones who are taking the, the research, the knowledge, and then trying to develop it into some usable product. But yeah, there's research going on all over. And this is, this is a wonderful thing for everything from cancer to um, infections and all, all sorts of things. But yeah, that, that's... That's happening. Cool. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to share with me, you can contact me at druggistforthepeople at gmail.com.
Yeah. You got any, any other questions today? I don't think I do. That's a lot of good information. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate you listening. This has been Druggists for the People.